started a thing a series on Wednesday night. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a Bill Johnson series we're watching. It's called Strengthening Yourself in the Lord. And so I just welcome you to come out on Wednesday. It's from 7 to 8 o'clock. Uh, we watch the video and then we discussed it. It's about 20 minutes. It's awesome, right? Uh, Laura and Sydney, I mean, it was amazing um, t- teaching us to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So I want to invite you out to that. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Well, Father, we ask that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to be in John chapter 16, and we're also going to be in John chapter 8, and then we'll also be in James. And I'm going to read all this to open up the service. Um, the Lord really nailed this, uh, this message into my heart earlier this week. Um, and today I want to talk about more about the Holy Spirit. And the Bible declares him as the spirit of truth. Would you say that with me? Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so today I want to just get into that. So in John chapter 16, verse 7, John 16, verse 7, we've been here a lot lately, but I want to reiterate this. John 16, verse 7, it says, but I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper... The Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because people don't believe in me. So he's defining sin as not believing in God. He's not defining sin as behavioral. He's defining sin as the root cause of sin is not believing God. So when we don't believe God, we sin. He's saying, so he's he, he, concerning sin because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to my father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler, Satan, the prince and the power of the air, has been judged. Tell me like that. Satan has been judged by Jesus at the cross. And then he goes on and he says this. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. He says, I have many more things to say to you. I have lots of secrets But then he says, but you cannot bear them now. Uh, The word bear there talks about a support system. Um, It would be like a foundation, like a building. It would be like a structure that supports weight. He says, the things that I want to tell you are so weighty and so heavy that if I tell them to you now, it will crush the the support system you currently have. So I have to leave so the Holy Spirit can come. And when Holy Spirit comes, then, then this is what will happen. When he the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you. He will release to you what is to come. Amen. And then he says this, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and give it to you. Come on. There's the exchange. He will take what is mine. Jesus is saying the reward that I've earned through righteousness and obedience at the cross and through being uh, the spotless lamb, the reward I get, I have is mine, but I'm going to give it to you when Holy Spirit comes. How many like that? So Holy Spirit releases an inheritance to us. And then verse 15, he says, all things that are the father's the all thing that the fa- all things that the father has are mine that's why i said he takes of mine and will disclose it to you all right now we're going to go to john chapter 8 if you will john chapter 8 verse 26 <clears throat> so holy spirit's the spirit of truth 
go back in time a little bit, and Jesus is teaching in uh, John 8, 26. He says, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, those are the things that I speak in the world. They did not realize that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing of my own initiative, but I speak the things that the Father has taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. How powerful is that? He's saying, I came from the Father, but the Father didn't leave me alone. He put his spirit with me because I obey him and I please him. Holy Spirit walks with me like a dove on the shoulder. Amen. And as he spoke these things, many people came to believe in Jesus. So Jesus was saying to those, uh, to the Jews who had not believed in him, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And then here's a famous verse. You probably all know it. And you will know the truth. Say it with me. And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. They answered and they said this. They said, we're Abraham's descendants. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say we will become free? And Jesus answered and said to them, truly, I say to you, everyone who sins becomes a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son makes you free, come on, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. Come on. Then he says this. I know that you're Abraham's descendants. He's like, what you said is true. You are Abraham's descendants. Yet you seek to kill me because my word has created no room inside of you. Underline that. Mark that scripture. I know that you believe this. You say this. You say that you're Abraham's descendants. You say the right religious things. But you are ready to crucify the Savior and the Messiah that you're longing for because the word that you say you believe in hasn't penetrated into your heart and created space. He says, I speak the things that I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things you heard from your father. <laughs> and they said, well, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, then do the things Abraham did. What is he saying? Abraham was the father of faith. He believed God. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. In hope against hope, he believed God, right? And he's saying, you say you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are not believing in the word that's made flesh in front of you. So that word, I have, not, I have no space in your heart. You have, dis, you have rejected me. You have pushed me aside because my word hasn't done what you say it's supposed to do inside of you. He says, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, the same thing Abraham did. He's saying, I'm doing what Abraham did, and you're ready to kill me. <clears throat> Verse 41. Then he just, man, Jesus had a way with words, didn't he? He said, you are doing the deeds of your father. Your father, Satan. No, I'm just kidding. That's what he says. <laughs> They said to him, we were, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, and it's God. And Jesus says, if God were your father, you would love me, because I came from the father. For I did not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. And he says, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. The problem there wasn't that they weren't born in the right religion. 
wasn't that they didn't know the stuff. It's that they didn't hear the word and allow it to make space. All right, are you ready for one more? Let's go to James chapter 1. This is shorter. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. James 1, verse 22. But prove yourselves doers. Everyone say doers of the word and not hearers only who deceive themselves. Man, James didn't mess around either, did he? He said a lot in one verse. Be doers of the word, not just hearers, because if you're only a hearer, then you delude and you deceive yourself. For if anyone hears the word and is not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and he, once he walks away, he forgets, he forgets completely what kind of person he is. He doesn't even know who he is anymore. He loses his identity. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having been a forgetful hearer, but becomes an effectual doer, that man will be blessed in everything he does. What's the point so far today? If we hear the word, we must put it into practice. You will know the truth. The truth will make you free. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Come on, right? And, and if the Son makes us free, we're free indeed. But the freedom doesn't come from hearing. The freedom comes from putting into practice the things that we have heard. That's the only time it becomes truth. How many have seen the movie The Shack or you read the book? You know, you know the author, William P. Young. If you haven't seen the movie, you haven't read the, read the book, do it. It's great. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a sozo on film. It's beautiful. And um, in one of uh, the, the, the great quotes, I guess, that William P. Young in an interview had, he says, transformation is complete when there is no difference between the truth of our being and the way of our being. Transformation is complete when there is no difference between the truth of our being and the way of our being. In other words, you can believe the truth and say all you want, but until it becomes the way you live, it's not truth. It's worthless. And all the religious things that I do from that state are a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. They have no authority and no power behind it. So this week I was reading through some notes and the Lord spoke very clearly to me. I hope, hope the Lord's been talking to you this week. Last week we talked about Holy Spirit activates our hearing. You need to hear from the Lord every day. And I heard him speak so clearly and he said this to me. He said, the only truth that matters is the truth you put into practice only truth that matters, the only revelation that matters, the only wisdom that matters is the wisdom, revelation, and truth that we put into practice. Otherwise, we, de we deceive ourselves. Hearing is free. Hello? Hearing is free. Everyone say that. Hearing is free. God speaks to everyone freely. That's free. God speaks to everyone. It's free. But the cost is doing what we hear. It costs us something. As we were singing, Jesus, I love you, and we we're singing love songs and talking about loving Jesus earlier, all I could think about is love costs something. How many believe that to be true? It costs me something to love my wife. Amen? It costs me something to love my sons. It's not free. Love is not free. It costs something. And if we really love something, we'll pay a price to protect it. 
If we really love something, we'll suffer for it. I, I used to love, and I still do, I love baseball. And I would suffer for baseball. I would work out until there were blisters on my hand, and I wouldn't quit. I would shag balls until the coach made me go home. I loved baseball. I loved it, and I would suffer for it. I would even make better grades so I could play baseball. I would do whatever I had to do to play baseball. I loved baseball. So I would suffer for it. What do you love? What are you willing to suffer for? I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer for anything. Well, Jesus said, if I suffered, you're going to suffer. We don't talk about this a lot anymore in church. But to love Jesus and to be a follower of Christ, the truth is it costs us something and we will suffer for it. And I don't mean, I don't mean we get a flat tire on the way to, work, way to work. That's not suffering. That's just annoying, right? That's not suffering. I mean, I'm willing to sacrifice for my love for Christ. I'm willing to be inconvenienced for my love for Christ. How many know what I'm talking about? I heard an old country preacher a couple weeks ago at my mother-in-law's church, and he said, uh, the kingdom is not a freeway. It's a tollway. It'll cost you something. And I was like, I'm stealing that. I'll sound like a goofy old man the rest of my life, but it's true. The kingdom is not a freeway. It costs us something. You don't, you don't just get to have the kingdom and, and follow Christ and it not cost anything. Three times in the Gospels, in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke, Jesus said, hey, if you want to be my disciples, You have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross and you have to follow me. That costs them everything. It costs them everything. They left everything. It says immediately they left their life, their nets, their their father, their parents, their family. They left it all behind to follow Jesus. It cost them something. They recognized something inside of him that was of value, willing to sacrifice, willing to go after him. And my fear is that we've made Christianity cost-free kingdom. Is, it, is salvation free? For, for us it is, but it costs Jesus his life. But once I accept the freedom of salvation, there's a price attached to that. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a decision that I make every single day. There are things that we have to, we can't be the way the world is. We can't have the same value system that the world has. It's got to cost us something to follow Christ. Otherwise, it's not valuable. If, if salvation and, and the kingdom was just free and it was like candy, they were just giving it out in the doctor's office, it, like what kind of candy do they give away in the, in the doctor's office? They give the dumb, dumb candies that are like .0003 cents per sucker, right? They don't cost anything. It's like really cheap candy. They don't have some really expensive chocolate in there. It's free. Here, take it. It's free. It's, it's not worth anything. But what costs something, it's valuable. It costs more. It, they don't just put it out free. You have to, have, you have to pay for it. You have to, you have to access it through, through a, a price. And the value of the kingdom, the value of the relationship is based on what I'm willing to go through to protect that. And I wanted to really hit on this today. I don't want to become a 70-year-old man and look back over my life and be like, man, the Lord has told me so many amazing things, and I can't remember one truth that I put into practice. I would rather God tell me one thing and me do it with all my heart than hear all the revelation in the world. 
I love to hear revelation from God. How many agree? You love when God tells you something. And you're like, man, that's got life on that. That's new. Ooh, that, that hit me in a different way than it ever has before. I love that. But that will only cause me to be deceived unless I let it affect the way I live my life. It has to cost us something. And where we're going as a church, I, I, like we've hit that summer, summer, I hate the word, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. The summer slump where it just you hit that middle of the summer and people are out and people are gone and, and you just get tired. How I many you get tired and, and, and whatever, you're, you're about to start school again and the parents are like on their last legs of thinking of things to do with their kids. Like you're just, no, not us, right? But there is something happening here. There's something going on. And I saw a prophetic word this last week that said things have been very difficult to this point. I I received it for a word for me and for this house. Things have been very difficult to this point. But God says a new season is coming and where things are going to become easier. He didn't say easy either. He said easier. Come on. Some of you, you've been through a struggle and it's been difficult for a long time. Look, that's building something inside of you that you don't even know yet. The Bible, James says, it's good for you to go through trials. Count it all joy when you go through trials and hardships because those things are building perseverance inside of you and patience inside of you and strength and courage inside of you. See, this kingdom, if we don't have those things and the kingdom is not valuable and it doesn't cost us anything and it's just so easy we can just float to heaven, then how valuable is it? But if the kingdom was so valuable that God could only find one sacrifice that was good enough and it was his only son, and if God was willing to pay the ultimate price for us to experience his kingdom, then that tells me it's the most valuable thing there is. And we can't be lazy Christians. We can't worship him lazily. We can't pray lazily. We can't pursue him lazily. Come on. It's got to cost us something. It's got to make us uncomfortable. Get, let's time, let's time get uncomfortable. Yes. Prophesied a perfect stranger on the side of the road. Even more uncomfortable than that. Prophesied to your spouse. Like, that's a hard one to do. I would rather prophesy to someone I don't know at all because, hey, there's no pressure here, right? I don't know them. I'm just going to, hey, this is just, I, that's what the Lord said. I don't know. And then you leave and you never see him again. But, man, come on. It's time for us to step it up. It's got to cost us something. Otherwise, it's not truth. We want hassle-free, cost-free, no attachments. We want everything that Jesus got, and we just want to say yes, and that's it. We don't want to do anything after that. We don't want to pursue him. We don't want to give up stuff for him. Oh, heaven forbid we give anything up to follow the kingdom. But it's impossible to have the kingdom and to follow Christ without giving stuff up. It's not even possible. We cannot be followers of Christ without leaving something behind. It's not possible. So fire life. We will be what he says we're going to be. The 50 plus years of prophecies over this church, they will come to pass. And the hard work and the dedication and the striving that we've gone through has been for something. But we can't quit now. Come on. 
It's like labor. You, the, 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 everything gets faster and, and harder at the end, right? We're about ready to birth something that's valuable. I, I say this all the time. There's, there's something valuable in this community of believers that we don't even realize sometimes. That I don't like to, to leave, and I don't like to not be here on a Sunday morning. I hate it. I hate going out of town. I, I enjoy going to other churches, but it's really hard for me to relax. First of all, I'm the loudest singer in every church I go to, so I don't want to sing because I don't want to draw any attention to myself. I sit, so it's just really weird. But the thing I hate most is it's not home. It's just not home. I remember a few weeks ago, we're in a service, and it was a great, great service. And my kids were like, man, I miss our church. I was like, me too, man. Like, man, I miss our worship. I was like, me too. I miss our people. Me too. That's how I feel. Because there's, there's just something here. Are we good at everything? No. We've got to get better at a lot of stuff. Come on. We're working on, on that behind the scenes. I promise you. We want to be more professional, more polished, all that stuff. We want to have all the bells and whistles of a successful church. But there's something here in the heart of the people here that's unique. It's special. And I want you to know that. And it, it deserves protection. It does. It deserves sacrifice and to be, to be uh, noticed. And it, it costs us something. Come on, you all right? Hearing's free. Say that with me again. Hearing's free. It's the doing that costs us something. Doing requires an investment. Doing the kingdom requires an investment. I'm sowing seed. You're sowing good seed. Everywhere I go, I'm sowing good seed. I sow good seed in my marriage, good seed in my relationships with my, my kids, good seed in my relationships with strangers, good seed in the way I take care of business. I'm sowing good seed, right? Why? Because when I sow, God waters it and gives increase and reward for sowing well, for doing well. He's the rewarder. That's an investment. Doing requires an investment. It requires buy-in. It requires faith. It requires risk. Hearing doesn't require any of that. Hearing doesn't require an investment. Hearing doesn't require risk or faith. It's free. But doing it requires that I actually have to motivate myself to respond appropriately to whatever he says. And that always costs something. Always. We have to put our pride on the line. We have to put ourselves out there. Going after the kingdom, putting yourself out there. It's not a free relationship. Doing requires vulnerability. Letting God in and pursuing the kingdom with like David pursued God costs something. It causes costs vulnerability. You may look like a fool. What happened when David finally got the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, when they went after the first time they, they carried it the wrong way and people died, right? And David was like, I don't want to touch that thing. People die if they touch that. So they took it to a guy's house named Obed-Edom. And for like four months, 
everything around there started prospering. All the animals started having babies. Their, their crops were better than ever. There's, I, I, said, I shared this years ago at the bridge because in one of my studies I found this, that the women were having like six and seven kids, septuplets. That's how prosperous their house became because the presence of the Lord came there. You're like, oh, I don't want that. <laughs> All the ladies are like, oh, no. It was like puppies, you know, like everywhere. Everything's just prospering. And when David heard, oh, it's prospering, the presence isn't killing you. The presence of God isn't killing everyone. It's causing Obed-Edom's house to become more valuable. We need it back. So David inquired of the priests, how do we get the, how how do we carry this so people don't die? He's like, well, God organized a law. This is how you have to carry it. It's got to be carried on poles between the shoulders. There's certain specific types of wood. Everything has to be done. Every few steps, you've got to stop and you've got to offer a sacrifice. You've got to do exactly what it says. And when he did, he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, back to his home. And what did David do? He danced. He danced. He danced his clothes off. Because God's presence came back. And what did his wife do? Oh, look at you. You're such a fool. You made a fool of yourself today. That's what she told him. You made such a fool of yourself. He's like, are you kidding me? I'll be even more undignified next time because God's presence is now back here. And it costs me something. And it's valuable. And I want my value for this to be seen by everybody. The value we have for God, the value we have for his kingdom, everyone should see that we value it. You've been around, when you're around me, you, I love to talk about my kids, man. They're, I'm proud of them. I love being around them. I don't, you don't have to, hey, are you proud of your kids? No, because they're valuable to me. I talk about them. Like it just comes up. It's valuable. Yeah, they're valuable, right? When you're, something's valuable to you, you talk about it. You guys still good? Ah. Let's close it out. He says, if you're only a hearer, then you deceive yourself. And there's this huge flaw when we believe that when we hear something that we understand it. We think that because God told us something and we heard it, that we understand it. And that's not true. That leads to a disconnect, and it causes us to deceive ourselves. And here's the biggest deception. All right, you ready? This needs to hit home hard. The biggest deception is the belief that we can belong to something that costs us nothing. The biggest deception in the church is for us to believe that we belong to a kingdom that didn't cost us anything. It has to cost us. One more story about David to close. This is in First Chronicles. They messed up again. David was told not to number, not to count his horses, not to count his army. Don't do it. But the Bible says that, that Satan motivated David to count the things God told him not to count. And so David, in First Chronicles 21, He counts stuff God told him not to count. And God says, because of that, I have to bring judgment. And he gave him options. You can have famine. 
You can have people die of pestilence, and you can ha- or you can have three months of this. And David's like, well, I choose that. And God's like, okay, I'm just making this really short. God says, now I want you to offer me a sacrifice, and I want you to go to Or Ornan. I want you to t- I want his land to be where you offer me a sacrifice, an offering to me. So David goes to Ornan and says, hey, here's what's going on. God told me to offer a sacrifice to him, and he told me to do it on your land. And Ornan's like, okay, king, it's yours. You can have it. Like, he was a good man. He's like, here, take it, king. Really awesome thing for him to say. And what did David say to him? This is 1 Chronicles 21, verse 24. But David said to Ornan, no, I will surely pay full price because I will not take what is yours for the Lord, and I will not offer burnt offerings which cost me nothing. David knew something about God that we need to tap into. He deserves sacrifice. He deserves it. He deserves for us to live our life in a way that declares to him and to everyone around us that God is valuable to me. He's not casual. God is not casual. His name is God. He's Yahweh. He is Jehovah. Like when you say those, say that with me, Yahweh. Come on. Do you feel that when you say that? Yahweh. Say Jehovah. Jehovah. There's, it's not the same as when you say Jared or Paul or Debbie or Laura. God is valuable. He's the greatest thing there is. And we should live our lives as says, you know what? You're the most valuable thing to me. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, this is the truth that happens. We don't become hearers only. We become doers. And we buy into the kingdom. We invest in the kingdom. And then everything that Jesus had becomes ours through that investment. Come on. Everything Jesus paid for at the cross, all of it, the entire atonement becomes ours as we invest and give our lives for the kingdom. Only when it costs us something, though. Amen? I don't want to be 70 years old reading back through my journal and be like, man, God told me a lot of awesome stuff and I didn't see any of it and I didn't live in any of it and I didn't eat any fruit from the seeds that were planted. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to look back and be like, God, where are the trees and the fruit? Where is it? No, just tell me one thing and I'll do the one thing, God. How many feel that way? God, just give me one instruction. I want to do that thing until it becomes my lifestyle. If he decides to tell me something else, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that too because the only truth that matters is the truth that we put into practice. Amen? Would you stand? We're going to pray into this. Let's, let's do it like this. It's got to cost us something today. So I'm going to ask you to come forward. But here's the, yeah, you can come forward now, but here's what we're coming. 
God, I've been getting by free. Come on. I've been getting by free. It hasn't cost me anything. And I want you to know you're valuable to me. That's all this is. You're just going to recommit our lives to him. So when we offer him a sacrifice and we bring, make an altar for him, he always shows up. He always shows up. So just you have a conversation with the Lord now. Talk to him, all right? We're going to just put some soft music on, and I'm not saying anything else. If you want prayer at the end, we'll be here. But let's make this a, a place for the Lord to speak to us.